please feel free to do that. So I did uh, text Jeff this week. Jeff was supposed to be preaching this week, and I did text him um, uh, this week, and I said, I think that uh, God wants me to say something this week, and he said, you're the franchise quarterback. You can call an audible at any time. So, so I guess I called an audible this week, and uh, I had a couple of the young Gadley boys that spoke into me last week that said, uh, I think you'll be preaching next week. And, uh, and I didn't, didn't know if that meant I would be healed or I would just be preaching. And then he's confirmed that throughout the week and different, uh, different things. He's confirmed that I was to share something. Uh, and he laid something on my heart that's, uh, uh, he just took me to some places in Isaiah that I want to take us today. And so here we go. If it's a, if it's a, um, you, you can put that down. I don't want that up yet. So if you, uh, you can uh, uh, follow along with me here. If I need to sit down, I'll sit down. If I need to, uh, if I need to rev up some more, I'll rev up some more. I don't have a, my plan is not to sit down. That wouldn't be my normal uh, plan, but the, there are chairs up here. So I didn't want to get one out just in case. You know, I do, I remember the old milking stools, most of you wouldn't, but you strapped a milking stool on and it had a wooden platform and then it had a, a post and then it had a spring on the bottom. So when you milk the cows, you could sit down quickly and you could milk the cow and then back up and you could carry the milking stool with you. I thought about getting one of those, you know, just, just, you know, just so you could have the milking stool, you know, and it fits your bottom. It was curved to your bottom and, and uh, it did save your knees because some cows, you spent more time down and, and helping them release the milk into the milker, so it did help your knees. So I, I couldn't find one of them, and I'm sure if I did, they would be antique by now, and I would have to pay too much for it. So, so I don't have a milking stool. There are benches up here and stools up here. If I need one, I, I will take one. Uh, the, the word this week that has come to me is wrestling. Have you ever wrestled? And I wrestled with many things. I said I wrestled, and I wrestled about every farm animal you can get get hands on, right? And, and some of them are much easier. Uh, chickens are easier to wrestle, but a little harder to catch, right? So you can wrestle a chicken fairly well, and you can wrestle. Uh, I've wrestled heifers, and I've wrestled bulls. Some I've won, some I have not won. And, and I've wrestled several different animals throughout. The, I, my, my buddy had a deer one time, and he put it in the back of his truck, and, and it had a cap on his truck. When he got to our house and he opened it up, the deer come running out of the cap. and we, So we had to wrestle this full-size deer, which was very challenging. So I've been in some pretty intense wrestling matches, but some of the most intense wrestling matches that I've ever been in was with my brother. And uh, sometimes he would instigate them, and sometimes I would. He would initiate, or I would. And he was about three years older than I, and so when, you, when you're 13 and 16, that seems to be a bigger gap than when you're, you know, you're 58 and 61. You know, it just is. And so as I grew up, I was able to initiate more wrestling matches with my brother because I could start to hold my own. I didn't last long, you know, when I was, when I was nine and he was 12, or he, I was five and he was eight different things, but we have spent many, many moments wrestling. Even into our adulthood, we have spent some time, not since we've turned 50 or greater, but in our 20s and 30s, we spent time, it just really, we just get into it. And sometimes it was, I, I'm not, I turned into street fighter pretty quick. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't live by the rules very well. And so if, if I get pushed just a little bit, I almost go into street fighting. And, 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 and so some of the wrestling matches that I've been in with my brother were very intense. 
and, and, and very, very, very intense at times. And we never really wanted to full-on hurt each other. We wanted to maim each other a little bit, but we didn't want to full-on hurt each other. You know, Mom was always complaining if we had to go to the hospital or things like that, so we'd try to stop just prior to having to send us to the hospital. Well, I tell you what, in the last four months, I've had a wrestling match. And that wrestling match is with an opponent that's been, that has come into my life that has been very, very uh, formidable. And that, is, and that wrestling match has been with my thinking. My thinking has really initiated some of the wrestling that I've been doing over the last four or five months. And the thinking, you know we call it stinking thinking here. You can get into your thinking, right? And all of a sudden your thinking has initiated this wrestling match with you. And you're thinking about all these things. And, and the Bible says to take captive every thought. And I get that. I really, I've quoted that maybe 5,000 times in the last four months. To take captive every thought. And I, and, I, and I wrestle with that thought, but to take captive of that thought, I had to wrestle with it. Because in order to captivate my brother or a chicken or anything else, I had to, I had to get control of it. When I, when I, when I, so I wrestle with my thinking, I, I, I have to take control of that and make it submissive to Christ or, or, or the truth that he has spoken into your life. I'm telling you what, my thinking has wrestled me to the mat a couple of times. And at times I was right on the verge of a white towel moment. Saying, I've had enough, I've had enough. And I shared this before, but I spent two hours in an MRI machine. With my head bolted to the floor. And I couldn't move, and the cage they put over my face was touching my nose and my chin. And the machine is making all kinds of rattling noises. I'll tell you what, my thinking went places that I didn't want it to go. And I couldn't run away from my thinking because my thinking had me bolted to the machine. My thinking has been wrestling me. And in order to take control of those thoughts and make them submissive to Christ, I needed to wrestle with those thoughts. And I needed, to, I needed to overcome them before they overcome me. My thinking was, an endeavoring, was endeavoring to overpower me. And if I had to be honest a few times, I really was ready just to tap out. And I'm certain that my thinking will endeavor to do that once again. And maybe your thinking is doing that today. But then I come across this passage of Scripture just recently, and it's from Isaiah. And I love this is what, what Isaiah is saying here. Isaiah, beginning in verse 8, he says this, The Lord said to me in the strongest terms, that's your dad right there, strongest terms, and he said this, do not think like everyone else does. You need to stop. And if we look at verses 1 through 10, there was some stinking thinking going on. And he said, Isaiah, I need you to know one thing. You need to stop thinking like everyone else is thinking. You need to stop thinking like the world's thinking. You need to stop thinking like a sick guy. Because you're thinking like a sick guy. And you're my son. You need to stop thinking like everyone else. And then he goes on to say, in the strongest of terms, do not be afraid of some plan conceived behind closed doors will be the end of you. You've got to be kidding me, God says. You think some plan is being cooked up behind the scenes 
Do you think there's a plan in place that I don't know about? Do you think that plan without my approval is going to be an end to you? Absolutely not. you got some stinking thinking going on here, Isaiah. You need to stop thinking like everybody else is thinking. You need to stop thinking like the world's thinking. You need to stop thinking and stop being afraid that there's some plan conceived behind closed doors. That this plan will be the end of you. As a matter of fact, do not fear anything except the Lord Almighty. He alone is the Holy One. If you fear Him, you need fear nothing else. Isaiah, you got a problem. You got some stinking thinking going on. And that's because you're falling into the thinking that your body wants to fall into, or the enemy wants you to fall into, or the world wants you to fall into. And you got to stop it. I got to be honest. I do that every single day in the last four months. I've had to stop thinking one way and start thinking another way. And for those of you who have been in long-term illnesses and long-term afflictions and long-term things in your life, every single day you got to remind yourself, stop thinking like the world thinks. Stop thinking like a sick guy. Stop thinking like the enemy wants you to think. Do you think there's a plan that I don't know of? There's no plan in your life that I don't know of. There's nobody cooking up any plan behind the closed doors that I don't know of. And as a matter of fact, if you stand in awe of me, this fear, this awe, and this reverence, and this, and this trembling before God, you won't have to tremble before anyone else and before anything else. I'm telling you, I'm preaching this from the middle of the storm because I don't even know this afternoon I'm going to need to revisit these verses on my own. This is not a one-time deal, New Lifers. This is not a one-time deal. We say, oh yeah, I heard a good sermon six months ago on that. What was it again? I'm telling you, day in and day out, every single moment, your body is saying, think like this, think like this. And the world's saying, think like this. And the enemy's saying, think like this, think like this, think like this. And I'm trying to take control of those thoughts and make them submissive to Christ. But I need to know there is no plan being conceived or cooked up behind the doors that God doesn't know about. And he said, why don't you just stand in awe of me? Why don't you just stand in awe of me? And I will show you the way out of this. And I will show you how to, how to be the man that I want you to be, how to be the son of God that I need you to be and I want you to be and I'm going to empower you to be right in the middle of this storm. Stand in awe and tremble before me. Verse 14 in that same chapter says this, he will keep you safe. You know, some of, those, some of those terms and some of those, they would make a great T-shirt. He will keep you safe. I'm telling you what, it's easier to wear a T-shirt than it is to live it. It's easier to wear a T-shirt than it is to live it. It's easier to, to say, I'm, I'm going to do this and then to do it. Dan told me the other last week, he said, it's, it's easy to have faith until all you have is faith. And then your faith is being tested. Your faith is being pushed to the limit and your stinking thinking is trying to take over and you start to lose sight of God and you start to think there's a plan cooked up that's going to take you out and God says, you, whoa, 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 you need to take control of that thinking and I'm going to empower you to do that because I will keep you safe. But to Israel and Judah, he will be a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And, to, and for the people uh, of Jerusalem, he will be a trap that will entangles them. 
You know why? Because they see God there, but they don't take a hold of God. And they got this agenda with God and this, this Walmart God. And God, you need to do this and you need to do this. And when he doesn't do that, then we go back to the thinking the way the world does and the way your body wants you to think. He said he's going to be a stumbling block because he's, he's going to say, I am this. And they aren't going to believe him. And they aren't going to take a hold of him. And he's going to become a stumbling block to them. Many, many, many of them will stumble and fall and never rise again. And many will be captured. I'm telling you what, that just stuck me in the heart. I don't want to be captured, God. I don't want to be stuck in my stinking thinking. I don't want to go where this thinking is going to take me. One thing I do know in this whole journey that you can't, you can't turn off the lights when you're in the dark. It just gets more dark. And you can't keep the thoughts from getting in you. And when the thoughts get in me, I, I, I represent verses 14 and 15. When the thoughts start to get in me and it starts to, start to, to make, take control of my life, I'm the one stumbling. I'm the one being captured. I am the one faltering. I am the one slipping up. I am the one falling down the hill. I am the one rolling down the hill. One wrestling match my brother and I had, we had a tractor tire, a rear tractor tire, and, and we were getting in it, and you stand up, and you were the rim. And it was kind of cool, and we just kind of, my cousin and my brother and I, we just kind of roll each other a little bit down the driveway. Well, it was my turn to be the rim, and I'm in, and my cousin and my brother think it's a good time to check it out down the hill. So they turned me, and they rolled me down the hill. I'll tell you, when I got out of that tire, there was a wrestling match. I went quite a ways. Thank God, a hundred yards later, the chicken coop stopped me and slammed me onto the ground. But that's what I feel like at times when my thinking gets taken over. I feel like I'm in that tractor tire again. I feel like I'm turning over and over and over and over. And God says, you've got to get your eyes off of what, what you see and get your eyes on me. I am the Lord. There's no plan being cooked up behind you. There's no plan that I don't know of that's going to hit your life. There is nothing. You've got to stop thinking like your body wants you to think. You've got to stop thinking like the world wants you to think. You've got to stop it. You've got to stop it. You've got to stop it. You've got to take captive those thoughts. You might wrestle with them, but I'm on your side. And I will empower you to wrestle with those thoughts and take control of those thoughts and exit them out the door. Moment by moment. I've done that before, a week at a time. But I've had to do it minute, 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 every single minute at times in my life. Verse 16 says, I will write down all these things as a testimony of what the Lord will do. I will entrust them to my disciples who will pass them down for future generations. That's not, this is not just for Isaiah. It's for you and I. He said, I'm going to write this down because it's worthy to be, to be rippled down the generations. I'm going to hand it to the next person. I'm going to hand it to the next disciple of Jesus Christ. And he's going to be able to tell someone else the same story because the same thing's going to happen happen in people's lives. Stinking thinking is going to try to run you over the cliff. And I will write them down and they will be for all generations. And I will wait for the Lord to help us though he has turned away from the people of Israel. My only hope is in him. 
I might not see him work in the world, Isaiah says. I might not see him working in the United States. I might not see him working in the government. I may not see him working somewhere else. And God says, that has nothing to do with me working in your life. Just because you can't see me in the masses doesn't mean that I'm not working in the individual. And you might not see him in Israel and you might not see him in the United States, but by golly, he's in my life and he's in your life and he's working with the individual. You are important to him and I've learned that. The next morning they come to my, my room and they said, you need another MRI. I began to have PTSD, I'm telling you for real. They said, when we get done with that, we're going to stick a needle in your back and we're going to take out spinal fluid. And when you got done with that, we're going to restart your IV. And when you get done with that, I was like, oh, man. And I needed to know that God was there. I needed to know my only hope is in him. I, in verse 18, I and the children uh, the Lord has given me have names that reveal the plans the Lord Almighty has for his people. And just simply, the the name Isaiah means Jehovah saves. As a matter of fact, he gave me a name. My name means Jehovah saves. So why? Verse 19, so why are you trying to find out the future by consulting medians and psychics? Do not listen to their whispers or mutters. I love this part. Can the living find out the future from the dead? They're dead. Why would you seek them for the future? They're dead. Simply, why not ask your God? Why are you not just asking your God? And my response to that is, God, I've been asking you for four months, and you don't seem to show up. I said, at least you're talking to me. I'm big enough, God says. I've heard him over and over and over. I'm big enough to handle your disgruntledness. I'm big enough to handle your opinion. I'm big enough to handle what your sadness is. I'm big, big enough to handle what your doubts are. I'm big enough to handle. But what you've got to say, and God's saying this to me, what you've got to do is you can give me all you want on the phone, buddy. You can give me all you want, but please don't hang up the phone when you're done talking because i got some stuff to say. I am your God, and I will navigate you through this journey. But God, I want this, and I am your God, and I will navigate you through this journey. But God, I am your God, and I will navigate you through this journey. There is no plan being cooked up that I don't know about. There is no plan that I haven't signed off on. There is no plan for your life that, well, I can't use in your life to do the miraculous, to do, you want a miracle? Hey, God, baby, I'll give you a miracle. But it's not going to be healing, perhaps. It's going to be beyond that. You're looking at the here and the now. I'm looking at all of eternity. And I'm your God. Why not ask me? 
And then verse 20 says this, check their predictions against my testimony. Put me on the line, God says. How are they doing? Well, they say this, if it doesn't line up with me, they're speaking from darkness and they're speaking from lies. So why don't you just cut out the middleman and come directly to me? I am God, but you don't seem to answer. Verse 21 says, My people will be led away as captives, weary and hunger, hungry. That's one of my greatest fears. That I'll hang up the phone on God and I'll be led away as a captive, weary and hungry. And say, God, I can't do that. And because they are hungry, they will rage and shake their fist at heaven and curse their king or their doctor and their God. You don't know what you're doing, Doc. You don't know what you're doing, God. <laughs> Even as I say that, God says, oh yeah, you do. They will grow weary and they will grow hungry and they will be captives. And because they are in that situation, they will rage and shake their fist at heaven and curse their king and their God. Wherever they look, they, there will be trouble and anguish and dark despair. They will be thrown out into darkness. Because that's where your stinking thinking takes you. I've learned that. So the Lord reminded me in the strongest of terms, don't think like everyone else does. And just so you know, I'm going to need to apply this message this afternoon. I have no PhD in Isaiah 8. I've got a guy who's just trying to get it done with God. You can push the button. The Lord said to me in the strongest of terms, back to verse 11, don't think like everyone else and don't be afraid that some plan conceived behind closed doors will be the end of you. Don't you know who I am? Don't fear anything except the Lord Almighty. He alone is the Holy One. If you fear Him, you will fear nothing, nothing, nothing else. And you won't ever know until you're the next moment. But as Dan preached a few weeks ago, as I was in the Hershey Hospital, and verses started to flood the back to me, and he said, you better be lashed in, because when the storm hits, you better be anchored. Because when the storm hits, you're not the time to run to your Bible. The Bible needs to run through you. So here we are in this darkness. Here we are in this stinking thinking. Here we are in this situation. In verse 1 of chapter 9, it says, Nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will soon be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road uh, that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. You think your dark is dark. You're right. 
But hang on. Hang on. Here we go. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light, a light that will shine on all who live in the land where death casts its shadows. Israel will, uh, will again be great. Its people will rejoice as people rejoice at harvest time. They will shout with joy like warriors dividing the plunder. For God will break the chains that bind his people. That's why we need to hang on to God because the chains in my life are too big for me. God said they're not too big for me. Stop wrestling against the chains and start looking at me because I got more than just freeing you from the chains. I want you to know me. I want you to know me on a deeper level. Your stinking thinking leads you to the dark, but my thinking will lead you to me. And those chains that you see and the ones you don't see, they will begin to break off of you. And the Lord will break the chains that bind his people and the whip that scourges them, just as he did when he destroyed the army of Midian with Gideon's little band. I love that. You're going to give Gideon credit with 300 dudes and all these Midianites? God says that happened because Gideon was looking at me, not because he was looking at his army. His strength, he had a little band. He had a little group of guys. But I was there. In that day of peace, battle gear will no longer be issued. Never again will uniforms with blood stained by war. All such equipment will be burned. Why? 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 And verse 6 says this, For unto us a child is born. Amen. Why? Why can you say no to the stinking thinking and yes to God? Because Jesus is coming into your life. Amen. Come on now. It says, For a child is born and a son is given and the government will rest on his shoulders and all the responsibilities will rest on his shoulders and these will be his royal titles. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. He will be called Wonderful Counselor. The word wonderful is found multiple times throughout the Old Testament, but it's never used without a direct connection to God. God is the only one that's wonderful. It's God's own personal adjective. No one else gets to have the adjective before their name, wonderful. And Jesus says, I am going to be, and God says, my son, Jesus, is the wonderful counselor. You don't, we do not get wonderful apart from God. It is translated in other places, miraculous or supernatural. You don't get the miraculous. You don't get the supernatural. You don't get the wonderful without looking at God. And I need to learn that. Because my body is screaming, look at me, look at me, look at me. It is literally means a cut above anything that you can imagine. And he's the wonderful counselor. 
A counselor like, unlike any other that you can imagine. A counselor that knows the darkness and knows how to navigate it. You don't just close your eyes and say, I'm not in this situation. Oh, yeah, you are. I've tried to do that again. I tried to, I'm just going to get up and pretend like I'm not ill. That don't last very long. But I need a wonderful counselor that knows the darkness, that knows how to navigate the darkness. Jesus knows and has traveled through everything that I can or will face, that I am facing or that I can face. He knows that. He knows that. And he will take me from the dump. He told me this. I will take you from the dump to the dinner table. Hang on, son. We're going from the dump to the dinner table. We're going from the darkness to the light. You want a miracle? Hang on. Hang on. It's bigger than what you think. You want healing. I can do that in a moment. But I got bigger plans for you. And then my stinking thinking. Man, I get up the other morning and I can't even step on my foot. I said, God, you've got to be kidding me. For the weeks before that, I would get a loop around the block, and I would have such a time with God, and I was talking with God. It was such a rich time with God, and I get up on Tuesday morning, I can't even walk. Pretend. Just pretend. Just pretend. I can't pretend that good. And Tuesday, Wednesday morning, God said to me this. He said, get up and put your shoe on. I said, my foot hurts. And I, he said, I know exactly how much your foot hurts because I know. And you're going to put your shoe on. And regardless of how much that foot hurts, you're going out and you're going to walk because you're going to look at me and you're not going to look at that foot. And I began to walk that day. Two miles later, my foot was killing me. And God says on the way back, when I couldn't hardly walk, on the way back, I'm quarter more, I'm a quarter of a mile away from the house, and then God lets it, lets it really flare up. I'm thinking, thank you, God, now i got to call an ambulance. I'm a half a block away from my house. i got to call EMS to come get me. He said, you're looking at your foot again. You're looking at your foot again. You're looking at your foot again. The wonderful counselor knows what you're in. And he said, I'm going to take you from the dump. I'm going to take you to the dinner table. And his name will be called Mighty God, which is one of my favorites because God means mighty, almighty. So I'm a, I, I, he's going to be called my Mighty Almighty. That's literally what that means. He's going to be called Mighty Almighty. And he's the only one that can be called Mighty Almighty. He is the conquering warrior. Jesus is more powerful than anything that's your, that is out there. He is more powerful than man. He is more powerful than demons. And listen, I'm going to relive this sermon in my whole in my head as I'm wrestling with myself this afternoon. I'm guaranteeing you, and maybe you're going to forget it, but I can't because I'm in a situation where I can't forget this sermon. The conquering warrior is in the room. 
He's more powerful than anything out there. He's more powerful than man. He's more powerful than demons. He's more powerful than the world. He's more powerful than a disease. He's more powerful than the enemy. He's more powerful than the addiction. He's more powerful than the the sickness or any ailment. He's more powerful than creation. He's more powerful than the storms. He's more powerful than life. And I'm beginning to learn he's more powerful than the unknown. Because there's no plan being cooked up behind the scenes that he does not know even when I don't know it. He is the wonderful counselor and he is the mighty God and he is the everlasting father. That just simply means this. Jesus is not going away. He is and will always be everything he claims to be. He is and always will be the king of kings. You're never going to have to worry if the next king is voted in and if he's going to like you or not because Jesus is never leaving the throne. And he is the miracle worker and he'll never stop. And he is the savior and he'll never stop being that. And he is the lamb of God and the bread of life and the light of the world. He is the good shepherd and the resurrection. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the true vine and he is the hope in a world in despair. And an Ed in despair. He is the hope for an Ed in despair. He is the grace of God, the one who sets free. He is head over all things. He's the one who meets all our needs. And he is the fullness of God. And he's in the house. Get your eyes off your stinking thinking. There's no plan that I don't know of. And you stand before me. And you are awe at me. And you tremble before me. You will not tremble before anything else. I'm not denying, and God is not denying, and I've heard him say this, I'm not denying that you're in a bad way. And I'm not asking you to deny that, God says, but I'm asking you to trust me and to walk with me and to watch me and to stand in awe of me so you won't stand in awe and trembling of the unknown in your life. He is the Prince of Peace, the one who restores and continues peace. And I've learned this even more. It's not the absence, the peace of God is not the absence of alarming situations in my life. It's not just, God, if you could take this away and take that away and take this away and take that away, I'd have peace. And God says, I know you think you're pretty smart, you got a Bible degree and all that, but that's not true. I can take everything out of your life and you would have no peace. What you need in your life is Jesus. Because he is the Prince of Peace. And you could have a million dollars and you could have the car that never broke down. You could have a car that miles never went up on. You could never be sick. But if you don't have Jesus, you don't have peace because he's the Prince of Peace. So if Jesus is in the house, then I can have peace and I'll relive this sermon this afternoon. It is the presence of God. And it's between God and mankind, and it's an internal peace that Jesus wants to bring. Sometimes he calms the storm, and sometimes he calms the one in the storm, just because he's God and he can do it.
I could not spend time endeavoring to get to all the alarming things. This is what I wrote to myself, and I'm just sharing it with you. I cannot spend time in endeavoring to get rid of all the alarming things out of my life and think that I will have peace. Jesus is the only one because he's the Prince of Peace. Verse 7 says this. Jesus' ever-expanding peaceful government will never, ever, ever end. <laughs> Believe you me, I'm happy that I have eternal life. <clears throat> and I'm happy that when I leave this earth for the final time that I will be in the presence of Jesus. I don't think he's got ready for me there yet. But he's also not ready for a wild hair stuck in the darkness guy either. He said, I want to take you to greater places. But you've got to stay with me on the journey. God, I want out of the journey. He said, oh, son, I know you do. But you've got to trust me. I looked up a sermon just to remind myself. And I was talking about some of the symptoms I was having. I had a numb face, and I had pain, and I had all, this, all this, these symptoms going on. I said, it looks like I wrote that sermon yesterday, God. He said, check out when you preach that. And I looked at it, and it was December 21st, 2008. I preached that message. I said, God, I'm ready to get out of this journey. And he said, I know you are, son. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. And I will take you places. Because my son is in your life. And he's the wonderful counselor. He is the mighty, mighty. He is the Prince of Peace. He's the everlasting Father. And his expanding, peaceful government will never end. He will rule forever with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David. The passionate commitment of the Lord Almighty will guarantee this. You know what that means? You can take that to the bank. <laughs> the check is good. Cash it. The passionate commitment of the Lord Almighty will guarantee this. I don't know what you're trying to do life with Jesus or without Jesus. If you're trying to do life without Jesus, just open up your heart today. Just let him in. See, Jesus, I don't understand everything, but I understand I'm not going to do life without you anymore. Come and cleanse me. Come and forgive me. Come into my life. And maybe you're up against a journey, and you need to remind yourself of this message too. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Amen. Faith is easy until all you have is faith. But what a powerful God we have. And you can take that to the bank. 
Would you stand with me today? God, I, I just, um, I just want to say thank you um, for even being able to do this today. I missed it. Been a couple months. But even beyond that, wow. Thank you, Isaiah, that you wrote it down. Hey, I'm going to tell this to the next generation, and they're going to tell it to the next because it's for all generations. It's not just an Old Testament thing. It's a Jesus thing. So, Father, help me remember this message. Help me walk with you. Help my stinking thinking to be taken to the curb. That I would, you would say to me in the strongest of terms, stop thinking like that. There's no plan that I don't know about. And if you look at me, you will fear nothing else. Father, I need you. We need you. So, Father, here we go. December 10th, 2023. Here we go into the future with you. God, I thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day.